This, uh, for those of you who are strange like me, will know that in the church year, this is Trinity Sunday. And so, uh, Carl, thanks for the great choices. The other preamble is, is that I've already had to have an argument with John Block this morning, and that's because he says I should be wearing a tie. And uh, I want you to know that he has been overruled by my wife, Jane. Uh, she specifically told me no tie this morning. So um, Jane wins every time, John. I'm just letting you know. My name is Ward Cowie, and uh, thanks for letting me be with you this morning in this way. There are some folks here from Berea Baptist, um, but way up in the balcony, you would see Joe and Elaine Briggs, and they spent months of their lives putting, building Berea Baptist Church, one of our sister churches. And uh, if you talk to Joe, you'll hear about all the water disasters. So John Ogilvie, you want to talk to him about water sometime. But uh, when I started in 07, I didn't realize that there was also a problem with electricity. And it, that particular building, on a regular basis, the power would go out in the grid, and I'd be in the dark. Um, some days I was, uh, some nights, I'd be there by myself. Uh, I'd be downstairs because, of course, a church has to have a basement. That's another Joe Briggs thing that he will see he disagreed with. I'm downstairs, I don't have my phone, and the lights go out. Totally dark. And so let's have that first slide just to give an image of a, of a dark church. And so I would have to fumble my way back up to my office so I could at least sit in a comfortable chair while I waited in the dark. Now, I realized I need to practice something. So what I did was I turned off all the lights in the church more than once and figured out how to navigate the entire building in advance. I learned in advance. By the way, John Ogilvie, in that corner over there, when you close the doors and turn off all the lights, I got lost in, even in the dark in this church. So I'm going to have to practice finding where the handle is on the door. Now, our scripture passage this morning is giving us a chance to learn something as well, to learn in advance, to learn some lessons on how to navigate not a dark church building, but rather a part of the Christian life, when understand. There's mystery. And our teacher this morning in the Old Testament is an Old Testament prophet named Habakkuk. And uh, except for Jonah, perhaps, and a bit of Daniel, I think that these Old Testament books of prophecy, especially if you're a new reader to the Bible, are among the most difficult. Some of you would say, what about Leviticus and Numbers uh, instead? And I would just say, yes, there's, but you can at least get the picture of what's going on. Often in the prophets, it takes a long time to figure out the history, the bigger picture. It's hard work, but very important. And so uh, Jennifer decided that there would be a series this month on the book of Habakkuk. Now, some of us, don't even know how to pronounce his name. Uh, we're going to take a vote this morning. How many of you prefer Habakkuk? 
Well, there's only, yeah, there's very few. Well, the, the three of us preaching got together and decided on Habakkuk, so you're stuck with that. <laughs> Next slide, please. This man, this Old Testament man, prophesied about 600 B.C., which was during the time that the Babylonian Empire was at its greatest peak, and they were brutal. And it's somewhere in the story they come and destroy the city of Jerusalem, level it. And it's a time of great national disaster. So if you wanted to see a, a book of struggle that's personal, then of course you might read the book of Job. But this is a book where there's a struggle with people who are looking out at maybe a local situation, maybe a fam still a family one, or even an international one. Some of you are those kinds of prayer warriors. You're praying for countries as well as individuals. Lord bless you in it. So Habakkuk is in a disaster, and then he's looking at what God's doing, and he's very confused to the point of being upset. He does not understand what method God is using to deal with bringing his people back to a place of being awake again to him and to the covenant. And it made no sense. But like Job, as we'll see, this prophet went straight to the Lord in prayer with his struggle and frustration. You hearing a lesson already? Which means that we know there was a conversation happening in this Old Testament book. And in chapter 1, my assignment, what we find is Habakkuk speaking twice and the Lord responding in the middle. And so it, this chapter takes about three minutes to read. I timed it. Um, it's a longer passage, but you kind of have to do the whole thing to get the picture. And I, so I would encourage you to read along with me, and I'm hoping that you will... Uh, still see the bigger picture. I'll comment along the way. Habakkuk chapter 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? If you read the Psalms, you recognize this term, how long. It shows up a lot. How long will I, shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? That's a, that's a complaint word. It looks like you're idle, Lord. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. The law isn't even being obeyed or recognized. And now, in verse 5, we shift to the Lord's response. He's not going to, unlike Job, uh, this prophet doesn't have to sit and wait for a response. And here's what the Lord says. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. These are the Babylonians. It's just another name for them. 
that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. The Babylonians had the war technology. They had the best tanks, they had the best aircraft, the best drones, they had it all. And they had it in their war horses and they would just cut through an enemy force. And they have a bad attitude. Verse nine, they all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. So the Lord is saying, he's acknowledging very clearly to the prophet, yes, these Babylonians are violent, terrible people, and they worship idols in their victory. So now, can you imagine Habakkuk taking a, a, a breath? And there may even be a time gap here, we're not sure. But in verse 12, he's, he's, he's just not ready to stop coming to God and saying, what are you doing? It's, this is just too crazy for me. And here's what he says in the next part. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? That's a very important term to notice. He's saying, we know your holiness, and yet this doesn't look like it. O Lord, we shall not die. O Lord, you've ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Lord, have established them for reproof. So the prophet's acknowledging the nation has been way off track and needed to be hammered back on track again. But he's with the Babylonians? You who are of pure eyes and to see evil and cannot do wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net. He's got the technology. He's got the victories. He's been able to scoop in all kinds of countries. And now he says, I've got a net and it's my idol. Crazy. But there it is. And makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Yes, uh, the city uh, of Babylon was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So wealthy, filthy, rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? But now there's another shift. We're just going to look at uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Because now the Old Testament prophet has to make a choice. He's had his chance to complain to God. God's responded in a way that he didn't like. He's had a second chance. What's he going to do now? 
The answer is in verse 1 of chapter 2, where it says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. I'm actually going to skip verses 2 and 3. I think that probably that will come up more next week, where the Lord is at least giving more encouragement. I got the really tough passage, Jennifer, here. You know, this is how it ended. So here's an Old Testament prophet, a big surprise. But now we have to figure out what we're going to do with it. So right here in the middle, I want to stop and pray before we do more of that. Let's pray together. Lord, this is, for many of us, an obscure book, but it's still your book. And so we pray this morning that by the power of your Spirit, you would take this strange picture and show it how it still very much applies to our lives, our church, and the nations. Do the work that only you can, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. On this next slide, I give you a bit of a summary. Um, Habakkuk the prophet thinks he's been having, you know that term, difficult conversation, where you have to have one of those with somebody, and the prophet thinks he's doing that with God. And so... He comes to his master with a list of things that just look crazy, mysterious, dark. And he looks at his national situation and wants help. Now, you may not be thinking as much on the international level this morning, but you are thinking about sometimes those moments you struggle with what the Lord is up to. It seems mysterious. It seems hard. And so I, what I have to say to you this morning, though, is, is because of the fact that it's this Old Testament prophet and obscure, if you're here and you're a not-yet-Christian this morning, um, this is a book that may not be very relevant to you. You can be saying, this is, what is he talking about? And I'm with you. I agree. And, or you may be here as a brand-new Christian this morning and saying, uh, can we read the Gospel of John instead? I'm looking at you, Chris and Shay, I am. Um, and you'd be right. I'd have to agree with you. Except, sometimes we need a book of Habakkuk in order, even at the before stage, the not yet Christian or the brand new Christian, to realize that there will come some days mysteries where we don't understand what God is up to, that sometimes it'll be difficult. I am one of those strange people that really needed lots of this before I became a Christian. I had to have, the Lord, he did a really good job of letting me know how many things could go wrong in the church. <laughs> he did a great job of doing that with me. A few months before I became a Christian, I heard the most twisted, terrible sermon I've ever heard in my life. And people were wanting me to then go forward. And I just shook my head thinking, you're crazy. I'm not doing this, signing up for this stuff. It was awful. To this day, I can say it was the worst one I've ever heard. 
And I had to go through a lot of struggle with the church. I went to a Baptist church with my long hair, and they made it very clear it would be great if I never came back, lest I corrupt their youth. Very clear. I'll tell you later how long that church lasted. Now, I needed to hear these things, and maybe you're in that not-yet-Christian or just barely Christian, or most importantly, long-in-the-tooth Christian like me. You see, you need to hear this passage and realize that to go to God with these struggles, you're not out of line. You're right on track. If this Old Testament prophet can take, this is edgy stuff. Are you just idle, God? How can you be holy and look on this? If he can take that to God, what is it you can't take? And say, Lord, I don't get it. This is crazy to me. You're on track if you take these things to God. So in the story, what happened next? Well, on this next slide, I like the burning bush picture because God shows up and he has this amazing conversation that shocks the prophet, of course. All the stuff about this terrible war and the evil of the Babylonians. And I'd recommend a scholar named F.F. F. Bruce if you really want to get into all that history. It does make the prophet come alive. But what about here? What are some important lessons about how God responds to the prophet? I'm going to give you four. First, notice the Lord does not rebuke Habakkuk for his frustrated prayers that edge towards almost correcting God himself. When we are waiting in the dark, we're always welcome to bring our stuff to our Heavenly Father, all of it, everything. Second, remember Habakkuk is only seeing a short slice of history, and the Lord's covenant still has a much bigger time frame than what's going on here. Empires come and go, but his kingdom stands forever. So when we go to him, we go in that kind of trust. Third, remember that the Lord will sometimes bring dramatic and difficult interruptions into our lives and the lives of nations, even when we're being faithful. In fact, sometimes in that short term, it's to help us become more faithful. I highly recommend a book by uh, a man named Craig Barnes. Uh, Brian showed us a video a few weeks ago where uh, the, they said that preachers should recommend outside sources. So I'm following through with the video. Here you go. Craig Barnes, title, When God Interrupts, Finding new life through unwanted change. Catch the unwanted change bit? Tough book. Terrific insight when you're dealing with struggle. The other book, written by a South Korean man, is called Prophetic Lament, because he says we North Americans, by and large, have no idea how to lament. We've never learned. And so Habakkuk is here to say, it's time. Time to learn. 
And finally, fourth lesson, ultimately the Lord says, I see the violence, I see the injustice, and I will step into that world. I will enter the very world that you find so difficult. So I'm really glad that Habakkuk comes around in chapter 2. Let's see that, that last slide again, where in verse 1 we read, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He made his choice, and it was a decision of faith, even though the darkness was still there. You see, by looking at this kind of verse, we can learn in advance how to navigate in the dark. Not in a building, but in our faith life. I didn't love those nights trying to find my way up from the basement. And at times I don't love having to learn this in advance. But in the long run, it's worth it. Let's say this together. Let's re repeat after me. If you will make this choice this day, when darkness comes into your life, let's say it together. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Let's have the uh, next slide. The short book of Habakkuk is a far off corner in the Old Testament, part of time of strange empires sparse in the details about the prophet himself, and is generally more relevant to us long-haul Christians and you beginners. But it's worth looking. And this morning, we also come to a special table. Let's have the last slide. You see, this morning we also remembered the example of God the Son a powerful lesson about how to wait on God the Father while in the darkness of a violent and rebellious world. In the Gospels, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem and while dying on the cross, the land of Israel was literally covered with a midday darkness that lasted for three hours all over the land. And what is it that that as we come to the table, what are the words we remember at the beginning before we get to the bread and the cup? The Lord Jesus, on the night, in the dark, when he was betrayed. In spite of darkness, Habakkuk took his stand and waited for God. In spite of darkness, Jesus took his cross and waited for God. What about us? Has the Lord interrupted some of your tidy plans with difficult surprises and unwanted change? Has he called us in new directions and they look hard? Has he put us in a place of painful waiting? 
Habakkuk made his choice. We need to do the same. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.